Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, episode 88, The Gift. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's Mike and Dave with you here once again, and we're going to be going off the beaten path a little bit here with some international content from Netflix. And I always get excited about these because there's just something about having a different perspective than either the Western world or America in particular. And the gift from Turkey is way beyond my expectations in terms of how the story is told. Well, yeah. And, you know, we talked about cinematography in last week's podcast. And I think one of the things that always strikes me about these international series is just that we see geography and buildings and and societies that we're not used to seeing. And they're just so fascinating. And as you said, there's so much great international content out there that, you know, it's hard to really understand and to know what's good and and what's not. And this is one that my wife and I stumbled on as we were in a little bit of a drought. We didn't have any shows that were (laughs) producing content at the moment. And it is called The Gift, but the actual title is the central character's first name, Atier. A-T-I-Y-E. And I understand why U.S. Netflix decided to go with the gift. And and once you get into the series, it it certainly makes sense. But this one dropped on December 27th, 2019, eight episodes. It's the adaptation of a novel whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because they have it written in Arabic. So (laughs) you're you're forgiven. (laughs) I'm a little rusty on my Arabic. But it's also the same creative team that produced The Protector for Netflix Turkey, which was also a big supernatural success after its release in December of 2018. And one of the things that people have to remember is that a lot of these countries have their own mythologies. I think around this time last year, we were talking about Siempre Bruja, Always a Witch, and you know it just had a different flavor as well. I'm even just thinking of the the betrothal ritual that the parents did with Atia and her fiance. And and it's just like, what are they doing there? Well, that's a ritual that they do in Turkey that you might not be familiar with. And it just enriches the viewing experience. Yeah. And I think a lot of our listeners have grabbed onto the German Netflix series Dark, which has been a huge hit among genre and sci-fi fans. And, you know, as you say, we, we learned that the people in Winden don't use umbrellas for whatever reason. They just <laughs> walk about in the rain and get wet all the time. But okay, I joke. All right. Well, anyway, we've got a lot to talk about with the gift. So the premise follows a Turkish painter, Atier, who lives in Istanbul. She has a somewhat strained relationship with her father, who's a retired police officer, and her mother, 
She does appear to be close to a sister who we later learn is adopted, and that becomes a a big, important part of the narrative. She's engaged to this ultra-wealthy guy, Ozan, who's a bit of a douche, let's be honest. (laughs) But he's rich. (laughs) He's rich. His father heads some nondescript multinational company, but it's clear early on that everybody thinks Atier should just give up this art thing and focus on being a teacher. More practical. <laughs> exactly. And it's more of a respectable occupation, apparently. Although this guy's so rich, you wonder why they even want her working. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take long, though, to recognize the striking subject of her paintings, this unusual, haunting, horizontal design that she tells us has been with her since childhood. So, so from, I think she might even say the age of six, she's been drawing this and painting this. And, and now as an adult and a professional, because we see her have an art exhibit and her work really is good. I would love to have something like that hanging in my house. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's the show people, the showrunners and writers must've come up with this symbol themselves somehow outside of the show, obviously. And yet they really got some good artists or maybe a single artist. You know, I definitely put that up. It's a very large canvas and would make a great centerpiece to any great room. Yeah, and you wonder whether they sell the paintings off to finance season two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, after that's established, we then find ourselves at the archaeological dig at Gobekli Tepe, which is a real thing. It's a real discovery that appears to be the first man-made temple, and it dates to 11,000 years ago, which would be 9,000 B.C., built by prehistoric people who had not even developed metal tools or pottery at this point, yet they were creating this temple, not unlike Stonehenge, but it predates Stonehenge by 6,000 years. So this is a real thing, but it's also a focal point of the series. Now, one of the workers in exploring this cave, and, and you see all these guys inside and they've got their little paintbrushes and they're scraping away the dirt and he uncovers Atier's symbol carved on a wall in a cavern that's been hidden for maybe 10,000 years. So the questions become, how does she know this symbol and what motivates her to paint it over and over and over again? Because that's all she paints, different versions of it, different colors, but that's all she paints. And that's what really intrigues me about how this show starts, because it doesn't waste any time. It gets right to the meat of the matter because these introductions are happening separately. But of course, the archaeological find is published in the newspaper and ITA sees it. And therefore, she's like, wait, my symbol has been found in an ancient cave. I must investigate, even though it might seem crazy to those around her. Well, right. And and that's the thing about the show, because it's got elements of Haunting of Hill House, for instance, because we don't know how much of what she sees and who she sees is real. Oh, okay. You know what I was going to say? That it reminds me a little bit of a mix between Dark and Siempre Bruja, the aforementioned Always a Witch, because of the university setting and the, the professor and all that. But I guess it could be different as you progress through the season, uh, what it reminds you of. (laughs) Yeah. And the connection to dark is unmistakable. 
I think the thing about Dark is we're presented the whole time travel aspect very early on, whereas with The Gift, so much of it is laid out and unfolds episode after episode until we get to this really mind-blowing conclusion that we'll talk a little bit about in the spoiler zone. Yeah, so we're just going to concentrate on the first two and see uh, about these different characters and the premise but there's so much more you can dive into throughout the season that we're just going to have to hint at. Right. And, you know, right away, the one story, which is, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily the principal story, but it's a story that gets things rolling. And that's Atier and the painting of the symbol. And the opening scene is still confusing to me because, as I said, I saw the whole series with my wife, not knowing we were going to do it on Sci-Fi Fidelity. So then I went back and watched it, taking some notes, really intending maybe to only watch the first two. But dude, I was, I, I couldn't stop myself. You watched the whole thing over again? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. So things start taking on new meaning when you do that rewatch because you know what happens subsequently. But that opening scene where the overlay says, who would have been hurt by Atier? And it's this burial ceremony set against a young woman running through the woods who, you know, we don't know it's her at this point. She's got this dirty white dress drenched in blood, but the blood doesn't appear to be hers. And then we see her photograph at the grave site, which implies she's the one being buried. And as she's running towards the grave site, we're, we're left not really knowing whether this is a flashback, a dream, a vision. And I, I'm still not exactly sure yeah, and what it means. It's funny that you mentioned that because I haven't gotten to the end of the season at all. And I do remember that opening scene, but I had forgotten about it because I got absorbed in the rest of the story. But yeah, that is very mysterious. What was that all about? Perhaps even an overlap of sorts, such as the type we see in episode two when Atie is starting to question her sanity. Right. And given the conclusion, there better be a season two or they got some splaining to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, now we mentioned she's a painter. We get a lot of scenes with her working in her studio, and she's just really serious about it, bordering on obsessive. And, and this boyfriend, Ozan, you get the feeling right away. He's just basically humoring her, thinking, ah, she's going to get over this artist thing sooner uh, rather than later. And then she'll settle down and be a wife and all of that because they become engaged. They're, they're not married at this point. But then we go to the excavations at Gobekli Tepe and Erhan, who is the leader of this archaeological dig, becomes one of the central characters as well. But when he's giving an interview to one of the reporters, he says something I thought was fascinating. He says that the aim of archaeology is to try to understand the future. And at this point, he hasn't found out yet that they uncovered the symbol. But I just found that fascinating because we always think of archaeology as a way to learn about the past. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably true, though. You look at the past to see where we might be headed, like what's the direction that it all takes. And I also like the fact that he does say, listen, this isn't Indiana Jones. You know, a lot of this is just slow plotting work and, and gathering data. And that's exactly when this very magnificent discovery is made, which kind of belies what he just told the reporter. Right. And then, you know, he's called away and he's shown 
you know, the design. But of course, he had no idea that Atier has been painting this for the better part of 20, 25 years. He has no explanation for what it means, but it's clear he's a bit spooked by it. And then one of the men asks if there's a doorway. And again, with our sci-fi genre experience, we're thinking like, okay, doorway to what? Yeah, it almost seemed like he was referring to something that they were expecting, like another doorway. Like we must have encountered some of these before. Does this indicate another one? So yeah, I was curious about that too. It's what what was their previous experience that led them to be immediately going through a rotating plinth of stone? Right. And and you know, we see them in these caves and a lot of the external shots it really is the site at Gobekli Tepe. I wonder though, did they get permission to go inside or is this a sound stage somewhere although i or another set of caves maybe (laughs) or or another set of caves uh, because it is pretty elaborate but they also point out that some of the stone walls have been polished but they don't know how or by whom so you know you know we're getting into the fact that okay this is eleven thousand years ago these People haven't even invented pottery yet. And that's only if you did the research on the internet to find out what Gobekli Tepe was. <laughs> right. They don't exactly. explain it, you know? Well, well they don't. And, and of course, that was one of the first things I looked at because I wanted <laughs> to see is it really a thing? And, and you know, as we've been saying, it, it really is. But they reach a dead end. And then what appears to be an opening is sealed shut by beeswax. But we can see on the other side huge deposits of what I was calling magenta crystals. They eventually just call them purple stones or whatever. I guess we won't quibble on the actual <laughs> the actual hue. But we then meet Professor Owner, who's it looks like he's Erhan's mentor, and they're at a restaurant, and then all of a sudden, Owner brings out Erhan's father's notebook. Now we learned that Erhan's father was also an archaeologist, also working at Gobekli Tepe, and owner has his father's notebook, and he's he's had it since his father died. And of course, the question that we're asking, as is Erhan, well, why are you giving it to me now? Why didn't you give it to me before? I'm, you know, I don't know what he is, 35, 40 years old. I mean, he's an adult. He's been working in this profession for a while. But he shows him a drawing of the girl with the star. And we haven't talked about her yet. We'll we'll get to that in a minute when we start talking about the mysterious visions. But it's something that catches our attention. It doesn't mean anything. So in terms of literary techniques, this first episode is rife with dramatic irony. Yeah, and that's in the second episode, too, because I do remember as I'm watching this, that the reason I thought it was kind of like dark is because there's all these oblique references to things from the past that clearly this is going to be important to the overall mythology once we get to the end of the season. Right. So he's holding his father's notebook, thinks he sees somebody outside, but he starts you know pouring over its contents. And then, uh, of course, and I guess you could sort of say this is a genre trope it's probably a trope that extends to non-genre fare as well but at least two pages have been torn out and then he sees a notation this discovery could change the world as we know it okay guess that's not going to get our attention or <laughs> or her hands 
Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of foreshadowing. And I love this about, I, I feel like it's almost specific to the international sci-fi. You know, you're going to have to keep up. There's a lot of details being thrown at you and you're just going to have to pay attention. And I'm sure as you rewatched it, Dave, that a lot of the things started to fall into place, but there probably was even a few mysteries remaining. And that's because they lay so many out. Right. And a show like Dark, you have to maybe wait till season two to get yeah. some answers from things in, in season one. And one of the things Erhan notices that some of the blank pages in his father's notebook, when you look at them in the dark, apparently they were written with fluorescent ink. And, you know, he sees some drawings in the symbol and Atier's name next to the symbol. Of course, he doesn't have a connection yet. We, of course, do. Now, she, as you mentioned earlier, you know, as soon as she sees the news report that they found this symbol, makes a beeline for the archaeological dig site. So the two of them start talking, but again, still at the early stages of a working relationship. And we get that scene where he's had the notebook, he's on his way to his car, and he's talking to her on his phone. He's jumped the notebook and a folder are taken from him. And then, you know, Atier tracks him down, I guess, with GPS signal or whatever. I, I don't know how she tracked them down. I know there's ways with iPhones, <laughs> but, you know. But anyway, she finds him on the ground. And, of course, realize, well, they didn't take his phone, didn't take his wallet, didn't take his watch, just took the notebook and the folder. And then he shows her the photo of the old woman and we'll talk about her in a second, that he found in the folder, dress on the back of the photo. And, and of course, that's uh, a big part of the first two episodes. So, yeah, I feel like the second episode is leading up to that because it ends with a close-up of the woman herself, probably at her address that they're about to go visit. So, yeah, that is someone who we thought was just a vision. You're about to talk about the visions, and it turns out she might be real. Yeah. So we see Atia go to meet her sister who runs a dress shop. Uh, apparently she is also a designer and you just can see the way she dresses herself that she's into clothes and, and, and she is pretty talented. She's a clearly a free spirit. I mean, if we think Atia as a painter is a free spirit, she's got nothing on her sister. Uh, Jean Su. Yeah, Jean Su. She, what, what a great character she is. And this is someone that I think really helps with the um, relatability for uh, people outside of Turkey, perhaps, because she really is kind of a sidekick character, even though she's the sister, you know, kind of like a party girl. A lot of fun. Yeah. And, and you notice a lot of the clothing has American logos and, you know, American companies and yeah. whatever. There's a sign next to the sink at one point that says, you know, there are no kitchen gremlins that will clean up after you. The same kind. And it's in English. So. Right. And she has a U.S. mailbox in her <laughs> apartment as a piece of art. But anyway, her sister's making her a dress to wear to her art opening. And as she's there trying on the dress, Atier sees an old woman dressed in period out of place clothing. I guess that's a good way to describe it. In some kind of marking on her forehead. Yes. Tattoos all over her face, staring into the shop. Of course, she and her sister go to the window to look and she's gone. And, and that's when, you know, that mystery 
begins about whether this old woman is real, because once She's at her art exhibit, which is going just fantastically. She ends up selling all of her paintings. And, you know, we get that little scene when her boyfriend's wealthy father shows up and talks about buying one. And and no, there are no pity sales for yeah. this artwork. <laughs> but Atier sees the old woman again down on the first floor of course, her boyfriend doesn't see the woman. She follows her outside, but as soon as she gets outside, the woman's disappeared. And her boyfriend is now starting to put some pieces together that, you know, something's not right with Atia here. And we then get a scene where the old woman is scratching the symbol into the wall of a house with her fingernails and dude, I don't have real long fingernails, but uh, I'm, uh, yeah, that's, it gives you the willies listening to right. it and watching it. <laughs> right. But it's also one of those scenes that, you know, when we see a character looking at somebody who's dead, well, we don't know whether she's just hallucinating or, it's something else. But then when we get the scene where we see the dead person and then we see in the scene, well, nobody else is looking at her. Yeah. <laughs> so something must be not quite real here. Right. So this is certainly meant, I think, to put forward the idea that, well, maybe this old woman is real, which then begs the question, well, why when Atia tries to make contact, does she run away? But well, also the scene where they're getting betrothed. The uh, old woman is standing on the ledge on a at least second floor, if not third floor apartment. And, you know, it's a happy moment. And then Atiyah kind of shouts out in the middle of it and goes to the window because the woman has just kind of fallen backwards into the street. So how yeah. could that be real? <laughs> oh, and of course there's no body. Yeah. And that's what, that's really where it starts to get uh, questioning of her sanity, I think. Right. And, and she tries to play it off when the others seem concerned uh, as <laughs> I just saw an endangered species bird. That's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that was pretty bad. But <laughs> so then, you know, she's meeting with the wedding planners, Ozon's father clearly controlling things. And you know, this is her wedding. <laughs> I, I don't know how you work things out with your wife. I was just like, look, you and your mother do whatever you want. Just <laughs> tell me what time. And where? Yeah, and I'll be <laughs> father-in-law. Get lost. <laughs> yeah, but you don't. You don't want to. You know, pick out that. No, I don't. <laughs> but Atia is drawing the symbol, and she hears that scraping. So it's one thing when she sees the visions of this old woman, if in fact they are visions. But now she hears auditory. At this point, we have to assume hallucinations leaves the table to investigate, goes into this room, and there's this simple wooden coffin on a table, and she can hear the scraping from inside. And, of course, we're thinking, oh, my God, somebody's trying to claw their way out. She opens it and finds herself inside. Of course, her dead self then sits up. She screams, runs out of the room. Everybody comes into the room, and, you know, there's no coffin, just an elegantly set table and of course. And you can't blame them. So they take her to the hospital and, and she's diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. But then 
that detail, and you mentioned details that maybe at the beginning we're not sure what they mean, but clearly they mean something or they wouldn't have put them out there, is that there's a family history of paranoid schizophrenia, which, of course, surprises her. It's like, well, well, who are we talking about here? Exactly. Well, she does buy into it, too. She thinks, how could I have possibly seen myself in a coffin? That is crazy. And so I think she does kind of say, what's going on here? But the more she sees and the more she learns, the more she's like, you know what? I'm not taking this medication. Well, yeah. And and look, I mean, if we want to really diagnose her, uh, does she see getting married as, you know, putting her in a coffin, killing her spirit or something like that. Yes. Uh, I guess that's the English teacher in me. But uh, <laughs> It's appeasing her mother. She says it. She says, you know, I'm, I'm settling down. I'm getting a nice, stable life. I'm being practical like you always wanted me to be. So what's the problem? And it's just that she's acting strangely. And here they've got a wealthy family on the hook. Don't mess it up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, her mother is a piece of work. But the thing about her mother and father with the mention of this paranoid schizophrenia, the two of them are looking at each other sort of like they know something, but they say nothing to anyone else nor to each other. So we're just kind of kind of left there. So things are happening in this discussion sort of out of order, and, and that's okay. Because I, I want to go then to Atier's call to Gobekli Tepe, because once she sees it on the news and she recognizes her symbol, you know, as you mentioned earlier, well, she's got to go there. There's nothing going to keep her away. Packs a bag, goes there, and, and then her journey has begun. And when we get to the spoiler zone, I'm going to talk about what, what I'm calling her vision quest, which I think is probably more accurate for what she's going through. But as she's driving to the archaeological site, she almost hits this young girl who's herding goats dressed in, and again, we don't really know what people dress like in Turkey. So as you mentioned earlier, again, uh, that's the one of the fun things about these international shows is that we learn so much about the culture, but we immediately notice she's got a star on her forehead. And when Atie mentions Gobekli Tepe, the girl just jumps in her car and wants to go with her. And she's speaking this unknown language. We don't know what's going on, but they arrive at the site. The girl jumps out of the car and just runs away. And Atie's got other things on her mind. So she's arranged to meet Erhan, shows him her work. I think she just calls it up on her phone. And he's not impressed. I mean, he might be impressed by her paintings, but... Uh, you just copied this out of the newspaper. <laughs> right. How do I know you just didn't paint all those today? Yeah. And she kind of looks at him like, dude, you have no idea. And we understand, but he explains it as collective consciousness oh god <laughs> and again this is something that that kind of came out of uh, childhood's end a little bit as well and and you know i i guess but i mean he's trying to give her an explanation because he wants to get rid of her well that you got to give him some credit they go through this initially but he does buy into it rather quickly in those first two episodes. It doesn't take him a whole long time. So thankfully they didn't draw out his disbelief too long. Right. And, and she is pretty darn persistent, but yeah. <laughs> uh, she's awakened in her hotel room by the weird girl with the star on her forehead who insists she come with her. And she 
leads Atia to the excavated caves and Atia just follows her inside. So it's just the two of them. I mean, they're, you know, this is night. There's, you know, the workers are, I guess, asleep. They pass these magenta crystals, but don't know how they got there. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not as though Atiyeh hadn't been trying to gain access to the site. So she certainly wasn't going to turn down the little girl guide that got her there in the first place. If she takes her into the excavation, you know, so be it. And then she's gotten in there past all the guards and the workers. So right. it's just that how did they get past that beeswax seal? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But then we're, we're hit with that revelation because is this old woman a hallucination is this young girl with a star on her forehead a hallucination well erhan says we found the girl and we're thinking like oh okay but what he means is that they found her image scratched on the wall inside the cave <laughs> how old is this cave drawing you know yeah so the symbol is ancient these people that she's seeing are possibly ancient. Why is she getting communication from an ancient culture, perhaps? Is she part of it somehow? Is she important to it somehow? That's basically what we're set up with in these first two episodes, is that Atie is definitely a central figure in a plot that spans centuries. Millennia, millennia. All right, and then Erhan asks her that question that, that repeats itself throughout the eight-episode series, who are you? Yeah, and then later, what are you? Yeah, that's what the girl was apparently saying in Kurdish, correct? They finally identified it as what she was saying was Kurdish. Right. Now, the other thing that comes out is Mr. Sirdar, who is her boyfriend's father. We learn that he's connected somehow because we see him in his office at night and he meets a guy who's photographed the inside of the excavation, and we see the sketch of the girl with the star. So at this point, we don't know how he's connected, but he is. And, you know, there's that mystery. So, you know, some of the final questions we're left with after two episodes, we seem to have evidence that the old woman really exists, though that doesn't explain all the instances in which Atier sees her and then she's inexplicably gone, like the one you mentioned where she makes a swan dive off the third story, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, there's no such evidence that the girl with the star on her forehead exists in this reality. And I guess the fundamental question, is Atier experiencing paranoid schizophrenia or is it something else? Right. And this kind of reminds me, we, we can bring in another show that kind of reminds us a little bit of what's going on here. And that's the one we talked about from Amazon, Undone, that animated series that also involved ancient cultures and schizophrenia and questioning of sanity, what's real, what's not real. It's, it has that feel to it as well. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone. So if you have not watched the entire eight episodes of season one, you probably should stop now because we're going to bring up some details that you probably want to discover on your own. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You are now entering the Spoiler Zone. All right, so one of the first things that comes out of Atier's consciousness is this idea, either I'm really sick or there are things we don't know about. And that is sort of the precursor for the final six episodes of the season as we learn that there are things beyond our comprehension, beyond this reality as we know it. We do learn that her grandmother is real and that the, I guess, really frightening, horrific thing is that her mother has been trying to gaslight her regarding her grandmother. And the grandmother is the old woman that we've yes. been seeing, correct? Yes. Okay. So she's allowed her daughter to think she's going crazy. And while we find out later the mother's reasoning behind it, it rings pretty darn hollow. So, I mean, I get it, but again, I guess you just have to watch it and decide for yourself. But the grandmother takes Erhan to the spot of his parents' accident and, and this car accident in which his whole family was killed is, again, one of those details that becomes more and more important. And by basically touching him, laying on hands, I guess we could say, he's allowed to actually see the fact that it wasn't an accident, but rather it was a murder. And he sees his father being essentially assassinated by a shot in the head by this guy on a motorcycle. So it now opens up, uh, you know, a new story thread that, okay, his father was digging at Gobekli Tepe. He found something that's going to shake the foundations of the world as we know it. And yet, somebody murdered him okay why somebody stole his notebook why you know what's going on here and it makes you think you know maybe it was all a setup for them to get married as well just to get closer to the to the source you know right right so you know i, I mentioned atier's vision quest and the girl with the star appears and leads her in there and there's a cave-in and atier becomes trapped in the cave and she encounters this woman in white who tells her to go deeper, remember who you are and what you are. And of course, at this point, Atier has no idea the answer to either of those questions. And then she starts seeing visions from the past. She sees herself as an infant in a crib with her mother. And her mother admits that she was afraid of her infant. Who's afraid of an infant? Well, we learn later why that is. She's shown the time that Ozan basically rapes her in their first sexual encounter. She's shown a scene as children when she's really mean to Shansu, her sister, wishes her dead. She actually says that. 
And again, we had that scene early on where her sister says something about being adopted. And we're not sure at that point. Well, is she just saying that because I'm the the member of the family that's so different than everybody else that that's kind of the joke? But no, she really is adopted. But as part of this vision quest, she comes upon these crypts. And of course, her symbol is on the side sees her grandmother, gives her this necklace, and tells her that people are going through the doorway where the two worlds collide with one another. All right, you got my attention now. Yeah, well, that's a lot of stuff, too. I mean, you get kind of esoteric with it sometimes, and you wonder, okay, are the viewers going to stick with it here, and are they going to start you know, putting the pieces together to, to create a picture, or is it going to become philosophical in nature? Right. And I think any fan of Dark is going to say, okay, uh, there's no way I'm quitting now. <laughs> yeah. I got to find out what this is all about. Exactly. And then we learn that there's the possibility of a parallel, a cycle that exists in the tunnels. And we're thinking like, whoa, whoa wait, this is dark, right? <laughs> there's a cave and there's uh, time mix-ups. What's going on here? <laughs> right. But is there this area in these caves, this... this a cycle between life and death where the two switch places. And what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, are we getting spiritual here? Is this heaven and hell and uh, life on? So we don't really know, but again, it certainly grabs our attention. But the other thing that gets our attention, you know, we learned that Ozon's father is really involved. We still don't know exactly how, but we see him communicating via this staticky television voice. Like he he's in his office, he's got the TV on, and then all of a sudden it goes all staticky. And we hear this weird voice that's giving him instructions. We're like, what the heck is that? But clearly his involvement ratchets up a few notches for sure. Now, we later get this scene where we see this one worker that's going in the caves and we then figure out, oh, this is a flashback. This is Erhan's father exploring the tunnels. He comes upon the purple mother load. The grandmother appears, tears out the two pages of his notebook while he's holding it and tells him it's not yet time. Finding this door is your son's destiny. Opening it is Atier's. And then she lays on hands and shows him the future with Erhan and Atier. And the missing pages are hidden. I forget. There's a name for it. It's like a, a cylinder, and it requires a combination. If you don't get the combination right the first time, it'll destroy the contents. And he finally figures out that the combination is the date of his sister's death. Well, how could his father know that 30 years before her death? Well, we see the scene where her sister gets killed, seemingly by her boyfriend, because her boyfriend has sex with Atier's sister. That's another story. So the father has set it up so that it appears that Atier murders her sister because she slept with her fiance. A jealous rage. <laughs> so we see her in her prison cell, and she's, of course, scratching the symbol into the wall. And then suddenly the goddess from the tunnels appears, 
And here's where it really starts to unfold, and we think we get a handle on what's going on with her. Says, you can make happen whatever you want. And we're wondering, is this her gift? Make everything the way it was. And she's told the power is in your hands. Go where everything is born and you'll find your sister there. And all of a sudden the walls start cracking and and suddenly she's gone from her cell. Does she will herself out of the cell? (laughs) I think a lot of this also just tends to bring everything full circle, almost like it's telling the story of a family across the years. And it's a TA's job to bring justice or bring closure to a lot of what happened in the past. And I think this just basically speaks to stories about family and stories about how cultures move through time and things like that, rather than just about the sci-fi elements or the archaeological supernatural aspects of the show. Yeah. And as Erhan's looking at the notebook, he sees that line that I, <laughs> you know, I sent it to you in a Facebook message. I thought, ah, I shouldn't have sent that, but I, you know, <laughs> I guess I was still trying to sell the show even at that late date. Maybe time wasn't as linear as we were told. Yeah. And I find myself questioning also, like, how did the people in the past know about the connection to the future? There still seems to be some sort of mysticism involved. Uh, and I guess they still have a lot that they have set up for season two in that sense, because it's not like we got all the answers here. Right. And then we get the scene where Atia goes into the purple cavern, finds Shansu in a white gown. And of course, she's dead in the reality that we've come to know, tells Atia that she can do whatever she wants. And Atia says, then I want you to come back. And then the final scenes, we get this long shot of the Gobekli Tepe site and we see the structures just dissolve as if it was never there and then we see Atye she's gone to her sister's house and she's talking to her sister at the doorway and when she addresses her as Shansu the woman tells her no my name is Elif and we learn that she's actually Erhan's sister that he thought was dead So she walks away somewhat stunned. And what we're now faced with is, has she rewritten the original timeline? Has she moved to a timeline in which Erhan never lost his sister because Gobekli Tepe was never discovered? We don't know. Well, you know what that makes me think of? The red paint on the hands and all that. Don't you think that that maybe mirrors somewhat the very beginning of the show? Exactly. When someone saw, when she saw her own funeral, it's like almost as though maybe she was dead this whole time. You know, it could, the line between life and death definitely gets blurred in this series. It, it does. And I just can't speak highly enough about this show. I, I just uh, recommend it to, and again, like I said, if you love dark, I, I think you'll really like this. So maybe a bit of the OA in there as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it, it embodies so many of these elements, but it, it doesn't feel as if they're trying to copy any one show. It really is an original idea and, and the acting is great. So it's just, anyway, <laughs> I think you guys get the idea. I love this show. All right. Well, that's great. And I, I definitely plan on 
uh, pursuing this further once I get finished with my stint of reviewing Manifest and the Magicians, which tends to take up all my time whenever we have two shows to review at the same time. But we do have another show topic coming next week, which I'm excited to share with everyone because it's been a long time since we were even able to talk about Star Trek. And of course, Star Trek vastly predates the the age of podcasting, but no more. Star Trek has returned to the small screen in the form of Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. And I've been excited this for this one for a long time. And the reviews have been coming on Den of Geek uh, very positive so far. And season two is already in the works. So we definitely have to talk about how Star Trek Picard is reinventing this franchise and what the possibilities are for exploring more of it. Because I think uh, those of you who have already started to check it out know that it's got a lot of nostalgia for viewers of the previous series back, back in the day and even more for people who are checking it out for the first time. So Star Trek lives on in wonderful fashion, and I can't wait to talk about this next week. Okay, and I'm going to go into it with an open mind. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, but that's going to be next week on the podcast. That's it for this edition of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US, and we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity. And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you access it. Be sure to send us your suggestions. We're always looking for good topics to cover. You can hit us up on social media or in an email that can go to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.